in an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. And a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. The swallow our souls. I don't want to die! What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped in the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Niktu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, when thou misspoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. Now he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Director of Darkman comes Army of Darkness. They live. They breathe. They suck. Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness is a 1992 film directed by Sam Raimi, who you might uh, who might be better known to to modern fans from the Spider-Man, the classic Sony Spider-Man series trilogy, the good, the good ones and the bad ones, the Tobey Maguire ones. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, is written by his brother Ivan, and it stars the legendary schlocky horror comedy star, starring man, leading man, Bruce Campbell. Uh, Jim. What do you think of this movie? I think that Army of Darkness is a fun, silly movie that if you try and take it too seriously, as we're wont to do here in Super Serious Film Fest, it mm-hmm. totally doesn't hold up. Uh, but but it, it's got this weird way of bouncing between very serious uh, and ultra comedy, mm-hmm. like slapstick and just like, some pretty lowbrow stuff mm-hmm. uh, that I really appreciate about Sam Raimi's directorial uh, and and his writing. So this is the follow-up, uh, the con- the cinematic conclusion of the Evil Dead trilogy, which includes Evil Dead 1 and Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. uh, which I've seen Evil Dead once. I think I've seen it once. I think I've seen Evil Dead 2 twice. Uh, if I recall correctly, Evil Dead 2 is essentially a reimagining of Evil Dead 1. Yes, yes, mostly. Is there, or is, is, is I, actually I supposed to be strange... some kind of sequential event where Evil Dead 1 is its own thing and Evil Dead 2 is its own thing? It, it's always been a weird mix. I've never quite understood like yeah. where Evil Dead 1 and 2 stand in relation to each other. Right. Uh, but yes, I think it's mostly a remake. And this actually gives you all of Evil Dead 2's plot up at the front of the Essentially. film. Yeah, everything it, with the portal and his hand right. and chopping it off, that all happened in Evil Dead 2. Right. And Evil Dead 1 was a serious and 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 attempting to be frightening uh, low-budget yeah. uh, horror film. Evil Dead 2 
has its firm has its his tongue firmly planted in its cheek and army of darkness continues that trend um i think this movie's great too it's a lot of fun to watch if you're a young person uh that doesn't have a lot of experience with uh, with, with other films uh it i gotta say watching it now uh after i'm not in high school it's it's pretty broad some of its humor <laughs> oh, for sure i think some of its humor could be uh ratcheted down a little it's 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 not just broad, it's like almost too broad for like a rated R movie. I mean, the person that goes to see like a Fangoria Schlockfest, do they want to see like a Three Stooges routine with skeleton hands? Uh, that's a fair question. And I, I think I, there are there is an audience out there. I mean, this is a cult classic at this point. Right. People the the people who love this movie really love this movie, and I kind of consider myself one of them. Right. Um I think I got an interesting new perspective on it as a 37-year-old man mm -hmm. uh, watching it more recently because it's been probably 10 years since I've seen this movie. Same, yeah. But I've seen it 10 times, you know? Oh, yeah, at least. Uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen this over uh, a dozen times at, yeah. at, at least. Right, and I, I think, like, it doesn't hold up for for what I'm looking for out of a film anymore, but I have such fond memories of it that I'll always love it. Yeah. I would just wonder, like, what Sam... Because, like, it seemed like Sam Raimi, when I was reading the background of this film, just wanted to throw everything, like, the kitchen sink into this. He wanted to go, like, with all these, um, you know, his pastiches, and he wanted to go, like, it's personally amusing to him to do the Three Stooges and to do the Gulliver's Travels routine and to do this wild kind of slapstick zany stuff and have it in the middle of a movie that has... I mean, this movie stars Bruce Campbell, but also stars about 7 million pounds of latex and about 40 million gallons of fake blood. And about 6 million spirit Halloween skeletons. Sure, yeah. sure, 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 yeah. <laughs> the, the, yeah. The stuff that you like, you get for four ninety nine at yeah. Hobby Lobby and stake out in your front yard. And, it's made of foam. October. It's going to disintegrate in the sure. rain. You pray that it makes it through Halloween. <laughs> sure. Um, but it's like a lot of this movie works as almost like a... Like a Danger Five level parody, like this. This feels uh -huh. like it's making fun of a spaghetti type of medieval film that For never, sure. I think, actually existed. Uh -huh. But it, it feels like it's like almost like a self parody of itself because, and a lot of the stuff works. Like, I think the physicality of Bruce Campbell's performance that he yeah. is like in the same way the Archer from the television series Archer is both a giant jackass and a buffoon, but also just lethally competent at his job. Yeah, like. Disp which is dispatching deadites, yeah. Which and that's that's the fun thing about about uh, that this guy is just is such a schlub in every aspect of his life, other than when you've got a chainsaw in his hand and a shotgun in the other, he is just kryptonite to fucking demons mm -hmm. or deadites or whatever they're called. Um, but a lot like so all that stuff works. The one liners, the hail to the king, the first you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me, blow. All that stuff Which might be the best line in the whole movie. All that stuff that really works. The 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 King uh, the the Yankee Connecticut and King's Arthur stuff where he's yeah. like inventing medieval siege weaponry out of his you know shitty car and inventing a robot hand for himself. All that stuff really works, but man, I tell you what, I groan every single time that windmill scene starts up and the little mini like that that's excruciating yeah. to me the mini ash stuff the the gulliver travels yeah the the the, the three stooges the three stooges yeah. scene in the graveyard all that stuff is just really fingernails on chalk for me right now yeah i'm with you i the things that i loved about evil dead was the blend of horror and comedy like the, right. the blood geyser i mean he carries a lot of stuff over and and i think 
tellingly, this is written by not just... Uh, so, so I think in past Evil Dead movies, uh, Sam Raimi worked with a guy named Stephen something. I, I can't think of his name, but he had a writing partner. Mm. Uh was unavailable for this movie he was ah. busy and so he he brought in his brother so ivan is not ivan. as good at shutting down crazy ideas as... or maybe yeah their brother's like me and my brother get crazy with our ideas sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like you just sort of run with it in a way that maybe with uh someone you're a little less close to uh-huh. you don't and yeah i think maybe that got a little out of hand in army darkness because the stuff that i love about evil dead 2 is that blending of real yes. actual horror like yeah, i'm yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. scared of this terrifying demon thing and then a blood geyser shoots out of the wall and soaks ash and or peter jackson's really good with his uh dead what was that dead before dawn or dead dead alive uh-huh um yeah the, where, brain dead dead alive whatever you want to call yeah, it yeah yeah yeah. like there, like there there's definitely room for comedy in 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 horror oh yeah you know like oh, yeah. the, the discovering that a blood-soaked floor is actually quite slippery <laughs> That's, that's especially when you're carrying a lawnmower. That's 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 some solid gore horror for fo- sure. Comedy. Um, the 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 three like the, the thing is is I love the fucking Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. I think like sitting down and watching a 15 minute Three Stooges short is a is a great time. Randomly shoved in like a Star Trek: The Next Generation episode or the Terminator movie. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Yeah, and this movie is very simple. I mean, it, there's essentially a MacGuffin, which is the Necronomicon. Uh-huh. All he wants to do is get the book and get back to his time. Like in the deal. They're like in the deal. And, uh, you know, he he being the man that he is, completely uh-huh. oblivious to half the shit that's going on around him. Right. Uh, narcissistic, self-interested. He fucks it up. Yeah. And then he's got to try and repair the damage he's done. Right. Uh, as he sort of falls in love with this townswoman. Right. But yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. That's a whole movie, right? Yep. <laughs> There's nothing else to it. Uh, they make so, a meal. Each 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 act of this makes a meal out of an action set piece. The Deadite uh-huh. Pit, the uh, Graveyard. Well, I guess it's like, you know, like maybe they should have kept either the graveyard or the windmill, but not both. But those those Mm -hmm. are two. And then the final 30 minutes of just just one crazy ass battle of the dead which i think is the big ass castle set yeah oh i, I love the the last act of this movie the uh, first act and the last act are yep. clearly the best the transitional look i i think it's funny that that uh ash goes to recite these words at the cemetery and he's so fucking dismissive uh-huh uh and also to be fair a lot of shit's happened since he was dismissive of the old man and his old words and he forgets it and I even like kind of him fighting with the books. Some of that stuff really works. But yeah, the the last third of the movie, pretty pretty entertaining. Oh, for sure. I mean, that that army attack, I, I can't even imagine how much fun it must have been to be on that set. Yeah. And just it's just blowing up skeletons. Right. With fire bombs and like, oh, man. And it's on the sweet side of the Uncanny Valley where like, you know that these are fake skeletons mm-hmm. and but there's just so many of them. And they're doing yeah. all these crazy things. I don't, but but there's a lot of like what goes wrong with George Lucas's attempts at humor. Like I didn't need the skeletons with outrageous accents pulling each other out of the ground and saying, making jokes about their non-existent penises. And to me, none of that stuff made me laugh. It just reduced the tension that otherwise would have existed that could have been exploited for humor later on. And I think that's the difference between Army of Darkness as the the climax of this trilogy yeah. and like the first two movies is there was always a seriousness about the evil. Um and yes they they were 
occasionally like silly things were happening to the evil entities, but I felt like they were inherently more serious. Like the, the, the demon that's chained up in the basement, uh, is, is definitely scarier than, you know, the, the evil ash in this. Right. And the demon isn't cracking jokes. That demon might be the butt of jokes occasionally. Right. But the the entity is very serious and wants to kill you. Yeah, and, and I think somewhere along the line, and it, it's marked here in Army of Darkness, the whole vibe of the evil has changed from one of you know pure evil to a sort of playful evil. Right. And I guess I don't like that quite as much. Although they take it as far as they can and they do as much with it as they can, and mostly it works. Yeah, I think you're right. Like the the deadites have to. They can, you know. Uh, Ash can dispatch them in ways that disrespect them, but they can't disrespect themselves. Yeah. And in this film, there's just, yeah, they're all like, well, I think, I think the, the big problem is making the villain essentially the evil Ash. Because Ash is a fucking <laughs> buffoon. Silly. Yeah. And he infuses his entire army with those, which again, narratively makes sense, but it's not, I think, the cool. I mean, this movie is going to live and die by its rule of cool. Yeah. And time after time, they betray that and do things that are decidedly uncool. But it's weird because I feel like if you if you sit down your average nerd that is our age or G, your average Gen X nerd, they will want to fight you about that. And they'll be like, no, no, no. It's also it's like it's actually a subversion of this, that and the other. And it's paying tribute to the great. I, I don't give a shit about all that. Like, is it? <laughs> but they're not wrong either. Like, that's the it's, thing. It's In not 1992. Wrong. This is probably a lot more fresh. Well, that's the other thing. You know, we're 25 years on, 27 years on now from this film. So, yeah, I just think of like because I mean, it's also like I just um, I I, I said Danger Five because Cecily and I just got done rewatching that entire series. And it's such a great job of parroting a very peculiar type of thing. These Mm -hmm. kind of Italian and Spanish spy movies um, that just just, you know, are way and they don't give a shit about you know, if something's supposed to be 1945 using 1970s clothing and sports car, like it's uh-huh. very, and, and that's feels like what army of, of darkness is. It's just that, yes, like that, that satire and that, that blending of one to the other. Like, I, I guess it's one it's, it's victim of it. It kind of blazed a trail for something, but it was the first of its. So it's been outclassed, you know? Yeah. I mean, Sam Raimi is the beta max of action movie exploitation parodies for sure. And I think, look, Sam Raimi, like Nick Terrell was involved in, in the effects work in this movie. Um, and I think the studio that Nick Terrell was with, which is a bunch of different names, but Nick Terrell is the most high profile, mm-hmm. uh, actually is responsible for the vast majority of the effects yeah. uh, with like all the skeletons and stuff. And it evokes sort of a Ray Harryhausen kind of timelessness to it. I think like, yes, it's cheesy, but the way that they blend like live action and stop motion and puppetry and probably some animatronics, it all works for me. But Sam Raimi like pioneers a lot of that stuff. You look at a lot of the camera moves that he's doing, right. And the stuff as a director that you can see, embedded into like edgar wright's work yeah um like there's this montage where i think maybe commando actually did it a little bit better but there's this montage of him creating the hand and the, they're doing all these zoom pulls <laughs> oh which, my god but but it's kind of like their only move i think the, camera, the cameraman pulled his muscle he did some of these like it's just which is why i say commando probably did it better i look at that and i go okay well i can see the dna of a lot of edgar wright's work i can see uh the, the dna of even stuff from like breaking bad with like fireball catapult cam right or like oh, yeah. polearm cam 
and and you think to like oh tucker's shovel cam and breaking bad yeah. so much of that stuff here is sam raimi's sort of creation totally and, and like, he has such a style like it is immediately recognizable as sam raimi and it's a, when you see his work and it's a style that works in the schlocky shit but he uses the exact same style with yes. better cameras in spider-man in a simple plan in dark yeah. man in regardless of whether it's a big block budget blockbuster or it's this shitty thing that he shot for thirty thousand dollars out in the woods one weekend with his family mm-hmm. i mean he he has those moves those moves and it creates in my mind just sort of the atmosphere of a sam raimi film like i absolutely love what he does with characters moving toward the camera or moving the camera toward characters right like there's this shot pretty near the beginning of the film where ash is fighting the witch in the pit and it's Uh it's just like really visually affecting yeah it works for me on on some like primal level where i'm going like oh that must have really hurt because Look how close to the camera he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Sam Raimi has like pioneered so many different methods uh, in, in just camera work and cinematography. And they're still used today. I also feel like this film had an outsized influence in like gamer culture because like this essentially is exactly half of the DNA of Duke Nukem. Like literally, okay. it's just it just rips off uh, like like all of Duke's dialogue is essentially shit that Bruce Campbell has said in the Evil Dead series. Hail to the king, baby! Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I wonder, I, I kind of wonder how entwined those things are because like all of the first person shooters of the day, I'm thinking of the like the 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 fucking Dark Triad. I think it's a Dark Triad. Um, there, there was, uh, you know, Quake the big ones like Doom, Doom yeah. Quake, Wolfenstein, Wolfenstein, uh, Duke Nukem, were essentially id software and app or what, who, who made Duke Nukem? Was that Apogee? Uh, I couldn't 3D tell Ra- Epic? Was 3, that what eventually became that Epic? Right. Uh, they, those guys all worshiped this fucking film. You could tell, like they put so many damn references to it and it was like <laughs> this kind of like vaguely demonic, you know, tongue in cheek. It's very like blood splattered everywhere but still some sense of humor is like in that 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 early 90s uh late 90s video game culture dna and i almost wonder how much of its cult reputation is because that culture embraced it which was very also like like all that cult like video game like i know video games have become bigger like they're bigger than hollywood now but back in the day video game culture was essentially science fiction fantasy nerd culture was essentially heavy metal culture was essentially horror movie culture like all that shit all that weird the dnd yeah. all that weird shit was fused together and I feel like had it not been picked up by that thing, it wouldn't be the cult movie it is today because you had to have mm-hmm. a bunch of sweaty nerds in high school insisting that their buddies see this. And and also, there was like an 11 different versions of this film. <laughs> I knew of two. The one that the, I the ending chain. personally own is called the bootleg version, which is done up like it's in a paper bag. And it's like got a hand, not handwritten, obviously made to look like a handwritten label by uh, Bruce Campbell, where it's just it's just got like the name written in Sharpie. And there's a but there's like, I think, three different endings and a bunch of different like some sequences are shorter, longer. I I don't know. I I couldn't tell you it's 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 worse than Blade Runner. How many versions of this thing has? But like, (laughs) for sure, it felt like every two and a half to three years, there'd be another version of this that you could buy that has more exclusive features or, oh, this one's got both Sam and Bruce as a commentary track. And Mm -hmm. 
uh, which ending does it have? And is this runtime five minutes long? And it, it makes it, it... I felt like that also kept it alive. Because also it was in the transition era between VHS and DVD. So it's like, oh, if you had it on this, then you want to buy it now. And it just kept it alive. And it has its outside... It's kind of like Rocky Horror. If that... That no one remember Rocky Horror if a bunch of weirdos didn't think it'd be fun to do midnight showings where you synchronized throwing rice and doing dances and stuff, right? Yeah, like it it needed this other culture to just pick it up and dust it off and say, "I'm going to keep this relevant," you know, f- come hell or high water, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and I, so speaking of you know how this movie kind of is a product of its times and maybe hasn't the comedy hasn't aged perfectly uh i think that when they did ash versus evil dead mm-hmm. they actually were really good at updating it's it's tough to update this show for a modern audience right. a because ash is a fundamentally narcissistic sexist uh chauvinist asshole uh-huh and that doesn't play well nowadays right and for good reason right However, I think Ash vs. Evil Dead does a pretty good job of updating the comedy yeah. portion of the show. Um, you probably and, and, just take it. You just probably piss on Bruce Campbell. Like, uh, yeah, a lot more than than Army of Darkness does. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they do some of that, uh, but I, I still feel like it's a little toned. Plus, down. Bruce being an older man, like right. more bloated, he's got a weight problem. Like that, it's like it, it's it, easy to lean into. Yeah, that. you just take, you just keep taking that as character a peg and making uh-huh. sure that he's not the smartest guy in the room and. But they have kept the vibe of Ash of Army of Darkness yeah. while also updating the comedy. It's not just slapstick. There's a lot of there's still a lot of quips. There's mm-hmm. uh, a lot of good stuff in there. Season a lot of two has kicking. maybe one of the funniest slapstick scenes I've oh, ever man. seen. It's disturbing. It's dark, <laughs> and it's slapstick and hilarious uh, in a morgue. People will know what I'm talking about. But uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead is a pretty good update of Army of Darkness. Yeah, so I want to ask a question while we're on this subject. Okay. Why didn't Bruce Campbell become a bigger star? Is it just Dude, that this I shit... I don't know. This shit, the Sam Raimi shit, like, held him back and that people thought, like, eh, that's the guy who showed up for $50 one weekend uh, and some craft services to film this stupid horror film? Like, because... Because he's he's conventionally good looking. Mm-hmm. I think he's got good comic timing. Yes, he's got enough dramatic chops to carry the dramatic scenes. He's got a, he's physically imposing. He's six foot one, which always helps in Hollywood. Got a full <laughs> head of hair. Uh, but like it's almost like he decided, almost in a like to just I'm going to be a ham, and that's what I'm going yeah. to be. And he like the guy's probably made a decent amount of money in his life because like he is pro- what he makes up for quality. Uh, he makes up for in quantity yeah. because yeah. he just has like so many fucking movie credits and a lot of them credited just as like himself in cameos because if you want to get the Fangoria nerds hot and bothered about something <laughs> in, the t- in the 21st century, throw old man Bruce Campbell in it, winking and leering at the audience and you'll get you'll for get sure. you'll get, a, you know, a couple of thousands, tens of thousands of butts and seats for sure. It's, it's funny you mentioned Fangoria. I actually noticed there's a Fangoria magazine in the trunk right. of his car right. at one point. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, Bruce Campbell had all of the qualities to be uh, a Harrison Ford level leading star, yes. I think. Um, yeah. And he, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was lack of opportunity or perceived, you know, 
silliness like maybe the you know he played that character too well um mm-hmm. I, I don't know what it is about bruce campbell maybe he chose you know i i just want to have this kind of life i don't want to be a megastar mm-hmm. uh i want to go to conventions where people recognize me but walking down the street i don't want to be hassled have you read any know. of his his uh autobiographies i haven't no there's like one that's like i think it's hail to the king confession uh or no if chins could kill confessions okay. of a b-movie actor which yeah. i've read i did not know that he came out with a follow-up um in what when did this thing get released uh or maybe it oh yeah so this came out in 2017 hail to the chin uh further confessions of a b-movie actor um i i kind of want to read that but like i i don't know it does seems like that that's kind of i it he definitely tried to have a conventional career it's not like because I, I before i read the 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 book i'm like well maybe he just you know, it's fucking around, but like he did choose projects that he thought would like kind of maximize. I think the hmm. one, the, the, the one he really was thinking that would be his, uh, his meal ticket was the, um, adventures of Briscoe County jr. Where he played like this, you know, he had this like, uh, hmm. yeah, yeah. several seasons of network television. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of in his wheelhouse as this weird Western stuff. And, um, but you know, it only made it two seasons and didn't really, uh, I mean, it's it's another one that's like he he stars in a lot of shit that's cult classic because it's kind. Of, I, I imagine it's a lot like uh, the dude from Firefly, um, Nathan Fillion. How everyone loves Firefly so fucking much, and Nathan Fillion's actually pretty good. That whatever Nathan yeah. Fillion's in, that fan base will prop up and love because sure. you're getting more Nathan Fillion. But Nathan Fillion like doesn't tra- that doesn't translate into I guess other roles. Like he he, he doesn't just disappear into roles, right? No, I mean, yeah, he turns the role into Nathan Fillion but more than anything. He doesn't have whatever that it is to boost into superstardom. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's it's unfortunate, I think, because yeah. I like Bruce Campbell a lot. I think there was a huge opportunity for some really good films with Bruce Campbell to be made that just never got made. Everyone that's a fan of this movie has seen all the commentary and heard all the commentary tracks. But like the one thing that I enjoy about this, uh, Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell's relationship is like the maniacal need to torture Bruce. Like it, it feels like that Sam goes out of his way to fuck with this guy, make sure he's cold. He's uncomfortable. He's in pain. Uh, <laughs> like he, if there's a, it's like, there's a lot of shit that happens to Bruce and a lot of times off camera, Sam is the one making it happen. If he's getting mm. dirt thrown in his face, it's Sam. If he's getting kicked in the crotch, guess who's boot it is. It's Sam. If he's uh, just giving, getting relegated to B movie status, yeah, it's Sam. I wonder, um, <laughs> you know, like what, like, like he could have cast Bruce Campbell as uh, Toby Maguire's uncle. Just saying. Yeah. But he didn't. He left him to be the 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 campy wrestling announcer guy in, in Spider Man. So uh-huh. you gotta wonder. Um, what I don't understand is like it'd be one thing if uh, like Sam Raimi had made him like fantastically wealthy and rich. But what the fuck? Why does Bruce put up with that shit? And I guess it also it's like there's some stuff from like the Spider Man stories where like he did some shit. He he did some petty shit to him for that. Like what? I don't know. I guess that's just the relationship they have. Yeah, it's why it's 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 wild because it's like a Stanley like you'd expect him to come out of like Evil Dead like with the Stanley Kubrick story of like this guy is maniacal. I never want to work with him again. Blah blah blah. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Like when I read this some of the stuff like the 
throwing gl- clods of dirt in the guy's face. I feel sorry for him. Yeah, it sounds like maybe the the relationship never crossed a line. You know, it was always in good fun, and it stayed that way. Or and... maybe, like, the other thing is maybe Bruce gets Sam in, like, really horrifying yeah. ways that no one talks about. Or the other thing is it could be these guys just kind of exaggerate and bullshit their working relationship because they yeah. know it makes people laugh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, nef- I never know with Hollywood shit how much is the real deal and, and how much is, is just put on. The one thing I do know about the Hollywood shit yeah. in this movie is apparently so you were surprised when we did a live watch at the ending of this film mm-hmm. uh we were definitely watching the theatrical cut because okay. universal when they saw sam raimi's original version said that is way too negative um and it involved essentially the the world having been irrevocably altered by so i this is the this Ash's is this bullshit. is my canonical version of the movie right. uh that the bruce he took he miscounted. It's a classic. Is a classic the, the, Ash the move. He miscounted he how many potions yeah. he's supposed to take. He took too many. He slept through his time and wakes up in some kind of post-apocalyptic uh, wasteland, uh-huh. which would actually be a fucking badass setting for you know Evil Dead Four. Um, but I'm like, the movie studio says that, but like, did you not see the rest of the movie? The rest of the movie is this man making one mistake that puts him further away from getting home after another. And yeah. fucks the world over in, in, in the process. I mean, this is, if nothing else, the sequel opportunity. Like, this yeah. is the lead-in to Ash, yeah. you know, Ash in the future, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what their problem with negative endings, because we have a lot of movies with negative endings. Right. I guess. Maybe they looked at it and said, look, the rest of this is slapstick. It's meant to be candy and just fun, and you're fucking it up with the ending. It didn't feel like a bad, did, but it didn't feel like a serious, like, ending. It felt like a parody of, like, Charleston Heston, right, you know, finding the, apes, the yeah. yeah, damn, you get, if it didn't, like, yeah, that's a downer ending for Planet of the Apes, but if you are kind of, like, making fun of it in a broad parody of genre conventions, like, it's, yeah. I just, I don't know, because... Also, this came after a year of them and the producer fighting and, like, keeping this movie essentially hostage over rights to Hannibal Lecter character. Yeah, it got tied up in some weird package deal with Universal. Right. Um, and which is stuff a, does. Yeah. Which is strange because that's the only reason it really got even made uh, for the amount of money that they needed. But also, it kept them in this weird development hell based on nothing other than the rights to some other property yeah. that this Dino De Laurentiis, I think, owned. It was... Yeah, it's fucking weird. Dino De Laurentiis, the unsung star so far of the of of this uh, super serious <laughs> film fest. Yeah, also I forget the exact role, but he was involved with Conan the Barbarian, which we covered. Yeah, he this guy is like this prolific dude uh-huh. that produced over 500 films of his career, 38 nominated, and it's not like you the oh Army of Darkness, uh, Conan the Barbarian. You think it's all gonna be schlock? 38 and nominated for Academy Awards. No, the rights they were fighting over were something prominent what were they i can't remember is hannibal is overhand the character hannibal, hannibal yeah, lecter yeah. um right because then they later made red dragon and hannibal uh made u50 u571 dune the conan movies tons and tons of shit that this guy's uh, you know his money his pocketbook is responsible for anyway yeah. uh also there's so this often uh repeated piece of trivia about sam raimi using his uh, 1970s oldsmobile in all of his movies um is it actually do you know if, if this is actually the same car because i don't see like in the climax of this film or not the climax the beginning of this film um when he goes through the time warp with the car they rented an 80 ton oh first of all they rented a 20 ton uh crane to lift the thing and drop it 
I guess a gust of wind happened and knocked a crane over and it like ran, it fell into this like fucking ravine. Good Lord. Would have killed the crane operator except for he bailed out of the cab. So the next day they got an 80 ton crane to lift a 20 ton <laughs> crane out of the. Don't tell me that fell into. The stone. No, no. And then, okay. and then dropped it. But like that, the car went through two of those experiences. How the fuck do you salvage anything from it? Uh, yeah, I, I can't imagine this is like. I mean, I, I imagine you can fa- car. fix up anything, but it this thing appeared in like apparently pristine condition in Spider Man. It it was Uncle Ben's personal wheels. So yeah, I I don't know. I don't know whether he's just buying new ones or if he's just like he you know, has this built from the frame up every single time he destroys it. Not sure. It's got to uh, be an expensive signature touch at this point. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it's in a commentary somewhere. I'm sure during this movie they talk about it. Yeah. I think maybe the best line, as I mentioned before, is first you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. He spits a grape That's out the and thing. says, the, the, the spitting the grape out. Pretty to forgive me, my lord. I believe thee one of Henry's men. First you want to kill me, now you want to kiss me. Blow. And Blow. It's perfect, yeah. perfect delivery. Right, right. Uh, also, this priest... This priest, to me, comes across as not so much, like, afraid of the dead, more just, like, totally over him. I think you're supposed to understand he's Merlin. So he's kind of a badass on his own right, and the king really? is Arthur. Yeah. That's supposed to be Merlin. And yeah. that's Arthur? Jesus Christ. Well, he's named, got... So he's named Lord Arthur in the film, and I think this hint is, like, this is, okay. like, like, he rides this crest of notoriety and defeating the dead and unifying the people into... Ash makes him what he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Essentially. (laughs) Essentially. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, yeah, finding out that he's kind of supposed to be the Merlin makes a lot of his attitude towards towards Bruce make make sense. Yeah, because after the horror of this witch coming uh, to life (laughs) and and like fucking everybody up, nearly killing people, he steps into frame the moment that's over and is just like okay back on mission not, not just steps he like slides in like he's on a furniture dolly yeah it's the popping out of like stage right equivalent of the stormtrooper standing up and saying look dro- sir droids like <laughs> right. he just like he just bounces in it's so funny it's, it's so, so funny yeah uh so the, the priest is one of the standout characters for me and i recognize that actor i know i've seen him in a lot of other things yeah i recognize the king arthur guy too but like i then i l- went and looked at his filmography and i'm like this is i don't know some of these guys i'm getting old enough that i, I feel like i'm starting to fall for lookalikes like i've yeah. seen this guy in a movie from 2015 but he looks exactly like he did in 1994 oh shit this is a different guy that just happens to look a lot like you know and the beginning of this movie sort of takes itself pretty seriously, right? I mean, all yeah. the stuff for recapping Evil Dead 2, it doesn't tell you about the ridiculous shit that happens other than cutting his hand off, which is inherently ridiculous. Right. But then, you know, he comes into this situation. He's he's overwhelmed by it. He gets caught up in this feud that's going on between these troops. And I can pinpoint the moment where this this movie puts a stamp on it and says, this is what we are. Mm-hmm. And it's the blood geyser. Right, yeah, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. one of my favorite moments in the entire movie because yeah. it harkens back to Evil Dead Two with the wall of blood, and like that is what I think of when I think of Evil Dead series. Yeah, like there's I love no, it. The human body doesn't contain like a blue fucking <laughs> right. whale doesn't include it doesn't have that much blood in it. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, that whole sequence, and when he comes out and he's like, "All right." And he goes on this this long haranguing speech of these primitive screwheads, the, the boomstick speech that everyone. Which, knows. by the yeah. way, I this I've seen this movie at least twelve times. The first time I noticed that he apparently conjures that boomstick from thin air. I guess so. he goes in the pit, 
he has a he has the 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 holster for it slung over his back it's empty comes out of the pit empty uh-huh. he's got his chainsaw i mean uh and then somehow uh king arthur draws a sword to smite him and it gets blown in half and he's got the boomstick out yeah, I wonder if it's a casualty of some of the cuts that they made to get this film could be I to think... not be in C seventeen, which was its original rating. Right, right. And, and the, the studio wanted a PG thirteen, and I think they eventually did two cuts. One which was like yeah. eighty one minutes PG thirteen bullshit, and then right. eighty seven minute cut that was the rated R version. Right. I do think that part of it is on the disparate thing is the movie just doesn't give a shit. Like he's got, they, they yeah. identify this as a double barrel shotgun that he shoots at one point four times without reloading. And it makes a between each shot. Like it's a pump action shotgun. Uh-huh. So this movie is super fucked on its gun realism <laughs> and physics. But yeah, again, it's also the movie where a guy with one hand is, is operating a chainsaw one hand, but uh-huh. there's no way for him to, like do the trigger mechanism like, no. how the hell is he revving this fucking uh chainsaw yeah uh it doesn't make a lot of sense but it's the rule of cool baby yeah yeah like when they fall then this movie falls a rule of cool it's pretty fucking cool mm-hmm. uh i also thought like just minor plot point if you can fly a demon over a wall and snatch a girl you can fly a demon over a wall and snatch a book that's true. Does he only have yeah. one winged winged demon that's strong enough to carry a woman off in flight? It seems like it, yeah. Even then, that's almost enough to do it. Like, are you tell me this thing so. grabs its claws into that gate, it doesn't rip it off? Yeah, and then it makes a second pass to actually grab the book? Sure. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it... So... Missed opportunity for catapulting dead things that would, like, hit the ground fighting. I was... Uh, so maybe they yep. had the technology for that? No, I, I question, like, where is the line between ash versus evil ash right is is ash actually a good tactician it seems like he is because he's got Mm. all of these this ability to you know he he seems very smart very intelligent he can he can make gunpowder he can modify this car he can make this hand right all all those things require ingenuity and a certain uh, tactical mind right uh in the defense of this castle yeah now evil ash seems to be the worst parts of bruce uh, of of good ash because uh, he has none of this capability, right? Like the best he can summon is a a ramrod to mm. take down the gate and and a a short bridge to get over the the moat. Right. That's essentially the extent of his tactical abilities. Well, but is it tactical or is it technological? Because he's got like Good Ash has an entire functioning castle full of people with raw materials and like know how. Uh, this guy's just got whatever he can pull out of the ground, right? Yeah, so like maybe it's maybe it's like you know he he couldn't like what is he going to make a siege engine out of? Mm-hmm. You know he can lash things together out of trees and stuff like that. But I mean, I think I think it's just the quant the quality of his fighting forces is what the problem because uh, these skeletons, yeah, I mean they're not formidable foes, really. No, they're not. They're they're. The f- flimsy minions one of the funniest scenes is like you know because you always have like we just watched one in roma for example uh the scene where you just have masses of people like practicing with a bow staff and they're doing uh-huh. like the you know yas twirl parry dodge and then when they actually get to the fight scene uh somehow that translates into marital marital pro- prowess right <laughs> Mar- marshall not yeah. marital god damn it it I- might we didn't get to see that scene yeah, it was cut what, for the rated hey, r you version you can use but- a staff you can use a staff <laughs> um but like most movies like you just understand that that's like training for war somehow i yeah. love that the payoff to that 
is when the army of deadites clash it's the the living army just doing those moves over and over and over again and it's working because they're just fucking skeletons like like an animated skeleton is going to be about 20 pounds of brittle shit Mm -hmm. like even if it can move around magically like yeah they're not you know they could funniest part about all that to me uh-huh. is ash is a guy who works in a fucking supermarket right uh he comes into this time period with apparently king arthur yeah who should have some ability i mean he's trained troops right he has sure. trained troops at his command yeah why aren't the troops training these other townsfolk so they're to do the actual combat why is ash involved with his sixth week karate class bullshit I think the idea is they established this in the beginning that like the the Lord Henry and like all of the lords have been at war in uh-huh. this period and it's like drained everyone's army and that's like distracted them from the deadite. It's very Game of Thrones. That's mm-hmm. all established in like two lines of dialogue in the very beginning. So I think the idea is there's just not that many warriors left, which is why they're training. But if you have one, if you have even one, you have even one half, they're going to be so. more qualified than Ash is. But everyone thinks Ash is king shit because he's like the chosen yeah. one. He's the warrior of unless, warriors. Unless he's got a basket of boomsticks, I don't know how he would really <laughs> yeah. be able to like, do much. Yeah, if you guys, if you could gin up a bunch of chainsaws and boomsticks and have yeah. him train you, if you're talking about wooden sticks, then maybe the blacksmith probably could, could tell <laughs> probably. you more about how to do damage with that one of those than right than ash could but you know for the sake of the movie you're right i mean everybody is deferring to ash at this point because he's like you said king shit what do you think the future of bruce campbell is do you see him settling into like an adam west type career where he was all Man, like like yeah. he, he could work he could work at a at an ironic level so well because he looks like he could be a distinguished actor like adam west could come in and play like you know, whatever you want him to be. He could be the voice of the eccentric mayor of your town, or he could be an out-of-touch billionaire. He could, you know, and then it's always, oh, look, Adam West, haha. Bruce Campbell could do that for the next 30 years and be fine. Yeah, and I, I think he has more than the, more than anybody, really, the potential to have that second stage comeback that yeah. would launch him into full stardom again. Like, I, I, I know, <laughs> look, he's not, you know, as like, good-looking. He, he's not as slim or right. probably capable in the action department anymore but <laughs> if fucking liam Neeson can do it yeah I, or, sean connery is james bond and a bunch of other kooky shit and then yeah. he had this come out you know, like red october turned him into an international sex symbol and he had another t- improbable decade of action movie star no bruce campbell needs his entrapment right well, i think he needs his red october before you give him his entrapment but sure i think he could sure. do an entrapment right now right uh, but yeah, I, I think Bruce Campbell is the right man now, dog, is what he needs. Uh, he needs to teach I mean, poetry he needs to a black kid in Harlem. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever that For- fucking Forrester, movie was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, he he needs to get on that because uh, I think right now his, his, his personal brand, yeah, yeah, his Q rating is as high as it's ever been. Yeah, and it will ever probably get unless there's another Evil Dead project coming down the the pike. Or something that he can do, like talk to fucking Sam Raimi, because he's still doing shit. He's more high-profile than he's ever been. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm hoping that something will come of Bruce Campbell's second stage career. I have nothing else if it's just just like, uh, you know, beloved celebrity cameo status. Now that that Stan Mm -hmm. Lee's dead, uh, we could give it to Bruce sure just have him and inexplicably in every every marvel movie or (laughs) that would be weird but yep why not every spider-man movie is this so is this your favorite 
because I I go back and forth about whether I like this or Bubba Hotep more. Oh, I'm an Evil Dead 2 kind of guy. Because Bo- Bo- Bubba Hotep has got the similar kind of, I think it's a little bit more sophisticated um, in its mm-hmm. like slap, slapstick. And, uh, but it's also more outlandish. Well, I don't know if it's more outlandish in its concept. No, like an I'll... evil, undead Egyptian spirit haunting a... Uh, a retirement home that houses uh, such celebrities as JFK and and Elvis Presley. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it is it it's it, and if you're Bruce Campbell, well, if you're a Bruce Campbell fan, you fucking seen it, right? But if you're like a casual, filthy casual high school, you like the Army of Darkness, haven't kept up with the man. I think Boba Bubba Hotep is uh, is is worth watching. Yeah, I'm a weird hybrid. I've seen Bubba Hotep, but only once. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't care that much for it. I think like Army of Darkness will forever be my favorite Bruce Campbell project. Yeah. Uh, just from a nostalgia point of view, I think Evil Dead actually is a, Evil Dead Two is a better movie. Um, okay. Then Army of Darkness or Bubba Ho- Bubba Hotep. Then Army of Darkness. Okay. I I, I think it does. Evil I, Dead Two is like the height of. That what shit. Sam Raimi was yeah. actually going for when he started making movies, and then yeah. it turned into this. And I don't think it's bad. I think it's just different. That's certainly what uh, essentially Roger Ebert thought. He thought that oh, yeah? Evil Dead Two is the pinnacle, and that this was it went too far into the silly stuff. Which yeah. I yeah I I totally. But on the other hand, I also think that the awesome highs of Army of Darkness are slightly higher than the awesome highs of Evil Dead Two. Mm-hmm. but it doesn't have the like what the fuck was he what a grown man thinking doing this in this movie lows yeah. that the army darkness has maybe yeah, that's part it's, of its charm too it's uh it's not as schlocky uh in that kind of way it's it's yeah. more of like a camp horror thing than it is you know this slapstick weird right. comedy although it has its moments i mean evil dead 2 is not completely devoid of slapstick <laughs> It it does indeed. It does indeed have its moments. 